welcome back to this latest edition of the WILX Sports Blitz podcast. And joining me today for the very first time is a special guest, our very own Tim Stout. Tim, thank you for making time with us. I know you've got a lot going on. We just got you from radio. You're just about to go on TV. You are everywhere. Yeah, it's a busy time of year. And when it's cold like it is, and you got the pandemic and everything else that keeps you inside, which is as much as I love all the winter sports, spring can't come fast enough. <laughs> I think that way every year, too. Yeah, and it'll be very interesting this year, too, to see what baseball does to get around it as opposed to negotiations and all that. At least yep. pro baseball looks like it's about to go straight into it. We'll see whatever happens with the lug nuts here in town. I just talked to the lug nuts spokesman this morning. You know, they're anxious to get a schedule. They don't even know who's in their league yet. The Midwest League usually, traditionally, you know, is 14 teams. But there's been consolidation of the minor leagues, and they have not had that determined yet. But they do expect their season will be pushed back somewhere into May. It will go later in September. Whether that includes 70 home games as usual remains to be seen. But it does help them that apparently the major leagues are going to, especially the Tigers, are going to start their full spring training on time February 22nd because that has to happen before the minor leagues get any directive as to what they can do moving for this season from the majors. But they have something to look forward to, whereas a year ago it looked pretty grim. Yeah, and testing procedures are now commonplace and standard this time of year. Everyone can go out and get a test. They go to an urgent care or something along those lines last year. Those were very hard to come by. Organizations didn't know how to do it. Now we can see even the MHSAA right. has figured out how they want to do testing. And how so, it will be done in pro baseball, especially the minor leagues. One would think there's going to be some you know, semblance of you know, testing on a regular basis, at least to some degree. I think the bigger thing moving forward isn't so much the testing, it's the vaccines. Because I think before all these sports can kind of consider themselves normal, it's not so much to me moving forward that they test negative. In the, in the early going, that was crucial. Now can you get two vaccines so that this is behind you and you don't have to think about this in the same way certainly has been that, you know, the way that's been for the last year. And unfortunately for that timing-wise, last I saw from the state of Michigan from their press release, my, me coming from the newsroom, the state has a little timeline that's very fuzzy on what it says, but yep. their ballpark yep. for the general public getting a vaccine is October. Well, so we'll I, see what that applies I, I, to No athletes. question, and I don't think athletes are going to get a chance to jump the gun. I think there's going to be, I mean, I have one shot so far. I've had one, but I got it because of my age. I have the second one next Tuesday. That's because of my age. I'll be anxious to see two weeks after the second one where I'm supposed to be. And my wife's only a few years younger than I am, and she hasn't been called yet, which frustrates her greatly because she believes that she, well, she is in, in the right um, age group to be called, especially here. But, you know, there's an issue as to how many of these doses there are available. So that being said, for the lay people, it does not appear to me that just because you're a prominent athlete, uh, you're not going to be considered essential, nor are you going to be able to jump the gun, as I see it at the moment anyway, just simply because of your, you know, of your profession at all. Yeah, at least in the state of Michigan, it's up for each state right now how they want to divvy up their tests. Maybe we see other states, Let's if the NBA does a bubble again, and they're saying, hey, we're going to use LeBron James as a spokesperson for getting vaccinated, maybe that. But at least for Michigan, I don't see that happening yeah. anytime soon. Right. Now, a team that has dealt a lot with COVID and is now just starting to get back in the groove, 
Michigan State. Michigan State, after having three games postponed, they've now had five games since. A little shaky there, and last night was very close to being a come-from-behind yeah. loss yep. against Penn State after leading most of the way. 60-58, to 58, a home game here in Lansing, East Lansing, just next door against Penn State. The big change last night was the debut of a new starting lineup with Lawyer, Hall, and Beanham. How's it going to the bench? What did you think of Izzo's decision there? Well, in his 26 years, he changes his lineups all the time. To me, it's not who starts, it's who, it's the minutes. I mean, he had 12 guys in the first half playing. So, you know, his MO at Michigan State, he, he shuffles that around all the time. I don't think that means much of anything. Um, I... I've been thinking he's been going to shorten his bench and whether he does it with nine games to go, and that's what he's got, and all nine of these games left to me are against opponents that appear to me to be clearly stronger than Nebraska and Penn State, two teams they barely beat at home. And it starts Saturday against Iowa. And I was just on another radio show, and the state guys asked me, and I said, well, I mean, how do you think they'll do? I said, well, you tell me. Do you think they're going to play against Iowa this Saturday the way they played against them in Iowa City? Or do you think they're going to play sloppy the way they did in these last two home games against lesser teams? If I knew how they were going to play, it'd be easier for me to figure where they're going to go. But I think they're like a lot of teams all over America, let alone the Big Ten, they're very inconsistent. They look very good at times, and they look extremely weak at times. And maybe it's balanced out. This game with Penn State, Penn State took a shot to win it and just missed. And th several weeks ago, Purdue took a shot to win it and made it. So maybe this all balances out. But State's 4-7 and seven in a league with nine to go. And those nine, you know, they got four games on the road. They got to go to Indiana, Purdue, Michigan, and Maryland. I don't think any of those are locks either way. And at home, they have Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, they still have Indiana, uh, and they have Illinois. I mean, they have five brutally, in my opinion anyway, tough home games uh, that they got to play yet. So every one of the nine left, and to me, they got to win about six out of nine to have any hope of getting into the tournament because that would put them 10 and 10 in the league. And they don't have, in my opinion, a quality win yet because it's apparent to me that the Duke game at the time got them up to number four in the nation of the AP poll. But that was nearly six weeks ago. Duke has now got a losing record. So, I mean, I think the key at this point is the incredible across-the-board inconsistency in so many college teams because of COVID. Yeah, and you're seeing names pop up in the top 25 I've never seen before. It's not yep. uncommon to see someone go on a run or do something impressive. But this year, there's all sorts of names across the board just with that inconsistency. And like you said, the home game's coming up. Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan, that's wow. three, four, and six right there. Not not in order, but all, almost all their remaining Big Ten games are top 25 opponents or top 10. And their last game is at home against Michigan. Who knows what will be on the line for that game. Uh, I mean, look, they've Michigan State has shown it can play very well, but it's also shown it can be, play very poorly. I, I mean, I don't think this is nearly his best team. He's had three straight Big Ten champions. And I thought when they were ranked fourth in the nation, that was vastly overrated at the time because I didn't think they had played the schedule that they were going to face, um, you know, moving forward. But the NCAA tournament field, I mean, when you look at the blue blood schools like Michigan State who are on the ropes, UCLA, Syracuse, Kansas, Kentucky, uh, North Carolina, you know, those schools, Duke, they're all on the ropes, those seven uh, blue blood usually elite college basketball schools, 
any of those seven may not make it to the tournament. And right now is for the first time in 47 years, Duke and Kentucky today both have a losing record. That has not happened on the same day for the two of them in 47 years. Amazing. Yeah, and it's one of those things, it's unusual times, but specifically now it's historically unusual times with Michigan State seeing Big Ten starts it hasn't seen in decades. You've got teams who are perennial NBA powerhouses yep. in terms of the, the people that they turn, turn out and go to the NBA lottery and throughout the draft, and they can't even put it together. So who knows? The Michigan State's biggest star right now, if you can say that, is Aaron Henry. He again right. led the way with 20 points. And to me, it looks like the last couple of games, he's starting to step up and really take that assertive role. Do you think he, his talent level is enough to take Michigan State to a deep run? In the Not tournament? on his own. I mean, I, th- I think this team is spe- – you know, last year they lost nine games with Winston, Tillman, and Kyle Lahrens, and two of them were in the NBA. And they lost nine games. Had they got knocked out of the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament, they'd ended the year with 11 losses with those three guys. So now they don't have those three guys, and they've lost seven times. So I'm not surprised by that at all. I mean, I think that they don't, in my opinion, even just looking at the games with Nebraska and Penn State, their margin for error, you know, I think Tom Izzo would go along with it, is thin. They have a very – it isn't one guy. I don't think – individually some of those guys got to win games they just can't lose them for them because of poor play I I think one thing in common Duke Kentucky Michigan State they don't have a point guard and I don't think that's going to change I mean I think they got guys that'll play that position but they don't have a true point guard that you know has filled that role because they didn't have to do it last year because of Winston Um, and I think that's going to be a huge issue for them moving forward, especially against the better teams. It causes more turnovers for them. They were turnover-laden a year ago with Winston. They're turnover-laden this year without him. I mean, Nebraska lost by 10 points and still got 22 turnovers from Michigan State, couldn't win the game. Uh, But there aren't many teams that are at the level. You know, they haven't won a game in a Big Ten. And that was a very close game for quite a bit. So, But, you know, moving forward, it's a COVID year. You don't know how COVID's going to affect the the schedule, the rosters, the available players. You you just don't know that. I mean, you look at Michigan right now. I think the whole Big Ten uh, season is going to come down to how Michigan – emerges from from the COVID pause. I don't think Michigan's got to win all the games left to win the title and keep a good seat in the tournament. But I think Michigan's clearly going to be affected by the pause, and it, it's going to tell itself right away because Michigan's got to play at Wisconsin on Sunday. And if that game's played, I think that's going to ask a lot of Michigan to get back and look like Michigan has looked when we've seen them play previously, which has been a while. On your point about the point guard, Izzo has started to rock at Watts quite a lot at that position. And Watts, naturally, to me, he looks like he's a scoring guard. And Izzo mentioned yep. over the offseason that there wasn't an offseason for him to really develop and transition. And the move for Lawyer there, to me, seems like Lawyer doesn't quite have the potential, or nowhere near the potential no. you see from Watts, but he has consistency in a floor, and the ball just naturally moves with him. However, he's undersized for a point guard playing at D1, in the Big Ten against top 25 teams. He would seem best suited as a backup guy coming off the bench. Hogard, I like his height, but he seems very, very green. So between Watts, who doesn't pass the ball, Lawyer, who does his best, and Hogard, who's green, I'm not sure where he gets that point guard play. Well, and they didn't have a chance with Winston playing there a year ago. It was not really a factor. 
And when Winston got some time off the floor, he wasn't off enough, in my opinion, where it was going to affect them. But again, they lost nine games with those guys. I think people forget that, especially the media. I mean, it's me. I think Michigan State gets a lot of elite status just because the national media likes Tom Izzo because he, you know, he warms himself up to the media. He's accessible. He's friendly for the most part. Uh, and they've had good records, and you add all that up together. And I think the media, oh, it's Tom, so they're going to have a good team, like like other coaches like Shashevsky and Bill Self and Roy Williams and so forth. Uh, but the reality of it is uh, I thought they would struggle this year uh, somewhat to the same level, again, because all those players back this year played roles last year. But they didn't have the go-to guy down low. They don't have like Tillman. They don't have Winston. And I think Kyle Ahrens was way underrated for what he gave that team, especially late in the year, and he was a senior. Uh, To me, it isn't who you bring in. It's who are you losing. And who they lost, given their record, you know, for three weeks in February, a year ago, they weren't even ranked in the top 25. Well, you know, if you put Tillman and Winston back on this team, they might have an enormously different record than what they have now. But I think all these players this year are playing different roles. They're getting targeted this year. And last year, the targeted players were Tillman and Winston. And when you're targeted and you haven't been used to that same role, I'll take Watts as an example, I think your chances you know, for success are, are better. And, and Henry's being targeted this year. And last year, he wasn't targeted as much. Now, they look good at times. They just have not looked good consistently. And I think COVID has affected the entire you – know, look, it's affected everything in sports. It's affected football last fall. It's affect, there's no question it's affected basketball, some more than others. And, that, and moving forward to get to the end of the NCAA tournament, to me, is going to be anybody's guess because right now the best team in the country I've seen by far is Baylor. And Baylor's down for three games because of COVID. So how that's going to affect Baylor coming back – uh, remains to be seen, in my opinion. One thing this team reminds me of is the 2015 Michigan State team, where they were kind of unheralded. They went 27 and 12, 12 and 6 in the Big Ten, ranked 23rd in the last AP poll. But it was a team with a lot of depth, and this team, well, having just an extreme glut of big men, as it were, they've got Gabe Brown and Aaron Henry, two prototypical NBA-sized wings, compared to that 2015 team. You had Matt Costello. Brandon Dawson, Gavin Schilling, Marvin Clark, I think, was a, a very underheralded player for that squad, what he was able to do with that run. But the big difference there is they had two established point guards, and with Travis Rice and Lou Alls Naren, and Valentine was also a great secondary ball handler who eventually became more or less the de facto point guard. Izzo's got to figure that out here, and maybe that happens in the Big Ten tournament, which if you've got a lot of these teams that are knocked out by COVID for the regular season, across the board, whether it's the Big Ten or otherwise, Michigan State and anybody else who's undetermined, I think they're probably going to have to make a really impressive run in yeah. their conference tournaments to get in. Could, could. And, and you know, the other thing is, is if they do get in, will they stay in Indianapolis for a few days? Because that's where the NCAA tournament's going to be played. I think in the when I watch his big guys, to me it's six of one, half dozen of another. Because on any given night, whoever's out there, they're going to get yanked for one reason or another. Could be fouls, could be poor play, could be exhaustion, could be anything. And then some nights, two of those guys play better than the other three. Then the other three better than the other two. And I think night to night for him, for Tom, it's been difficult for him to identify 
any of those guys that are on the floor in the front line who are going to stand out, with the exception perhaps of Henry, who's kind of a swing player anyway. He goes to where you know they kind of need him depending on the team that they play. But, but again, to me, they have way more question marks than they do have answers and be, because nobody is consistent. I mean, if they gave an award at the end of the year, the most consistent player – I mean, Steven Izzo might have to win that because his play's been the same pretty much all the way through. But to me, the rest of the guys in their playing group, you know, they've had one night where one guy was red hot, and then the next day he's, he, you know, some, he's either COVID or he's got fouls or he's not shooting well, he's not playing defense, he's got something. And I think that's been a huge issue for them. So when they play Iowa Saturday, I have absolutely no idea who is going to be the key players for them who are either going to help them win it or going to be the factor for why they lost it. And I think that's been a trend through the first 18 games, or excuse me, what are there, what are there, 10 of the, 17 games with nine to go. The, the only guy I can point to with any consistency is that when I see Malik Hall out there, I know he's going to rebound. And I've been very impressed with a guy who's about 6'7", looking like a power forward. And for some reason, he also looks like he might be the best center, which we saw the Hauser-Hall lineup at the very end of the game. And I like that. I think Beanham really looks like a nice rim protector if he can just put it together Marble, I thought for a while, a few games ago, looked like he was a great defender, a young, raw, similar body type to Xavier Tillman. And then last night, everyone just scored over him. So, yeah, it's question marks but all I, over the I place. I think they, they, they need offense, in my opinion. I mean, I think they can hang in there defensively. I mean, when I remember Malik Hall playing at Duke, he, he brought him back and won a game for him. And I thought, man, from Duke, you know, this guy, you know, look out, this guy's ready to go. And from that point on, I mean, some games you haven't hardly even seen him play very much. I mean, again, it's been part of this team's M.O. I mean, a year ago, you knew what you were going to get with Winston and Tillman, let alone Aarons, when those three guys played. And it's been that way in the years of Denzel Valentine and Brent Forbes and those guys. You pretty much knew what you were going to get. This team, to me, and again, depending on the quality of the opponent, to me, it depends on who they're playing, and it just happens to be some guy's night or it's not some guy's night. And with the nine teams they have left, you know, again, I think it's a challenge for Tom to figure out. You know, he had 12 guys in the game against Penn State in the first half. 12 guys. I mean, when Judd was here as a coach, he played six and seven. When I watched Gino Rariema of Connecticut, the women, he plays six to seven players, unless it's 94 to 30. He plays – he, he, I mean, and those teams are elite – they play six or seven. Tom's never done that. Tom always wants to play as many guys as he can, providing he thinks those guys are going to help. He uses some of them for punishment. He uses some of them for exhaustion. He uses some of them just to shake things up for the other team. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, there's there's more than one way to do it. But, I, I mean, I just think whoever's going to play in the nine games they have ahead, it's not so much they got to win the game, but can they avoid doing things that are going to cause them to lose it? And I think that's really crucial. And one player who's gone from starting to now the bench, and he now had, really for all effective players, he was tied for the fewest minutes. Kithier has gone from Izzo's favorite guy to where what I'm seeing is just Kithier, very solid senior, does all the little things right, but he just can't hang with Big Ten bigs, and that's, though, who on this Michigan State roster can. There's a lot of guys who physically look like they have the tools, and maybe that's what you're trying to tweak is the ceiling. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's a 30-minute player. I don't think he's a 25-minute player. Yeah, he I mean, had eight last night. The, yeah, the key is, is when he's in the game, 
are they going to be better, the same, or worse as to when any of those players went on the floor? And part of it's depending on who the other four guys are. I mean, look, it's a chess match for them because they don't have, even in Henry's case, because there are games where Henry has really struggled. But like you say, you know, his athleticism, and, and that's another thing. I don't think this team's all that athletic compared to some of the previous teams he's had. I mean, they run at times, but they turn it over. They run at times, but it doesn't get get back. I mean, I, I, I look, I think he's hoping upon hope. Anything that can go well for them down the stretch, he's hoping for it. To be honest with you, he must think in the back of his mind, is there any way? we can get this team to get enough wins to keep the NCAA tournament streak of 22 straight years alive because I think it's a legitimate achievement, and I think it meets a lot to Tom. But if the field was announced today, they wouldn't be in it. So they're going to – and they've got nine they – they're not playing Western Michigan at Oakland and Central and Eastern. Uh, you know, they're not playing them the rest of the way. They're playing the teams I mentioned previously. And if you buy the theory that the Big Ten is the best league or close to it – those are the teams that would help comprise that reputation, in my opinion. So beginning with Iowa Saturday, you know, it, it's a home game. They've already lost a couple of home games. They've had several close home game wins. But I think this one, you know, Iowa's desperate too. And um, I'll bet you the Iowa game Saturday does not mirror the game in Iowa City. I'll bet one of them doesn't play nearly as hard and as well as it did previously. Whether it's Iowa or Michigan State, I don't know. It's hard to see repeat games play the way the first game did that I see. There's just so many changes, let alone people getting COVID, the time off from COVID, and just evolution matchups and film. It, who knows what will happen? But if you had to look into a metaphorical crystal basketball to see the future, what do you think is the best case scenario and what's the worst case. Let's start with worst first. Well, the worst case scenario is they'll finish with a losing record and miss the NCAA tournament. That That's uh, of any combination. I mean, to me, with the nine games left, theoretically, they can lose them all. I don't think they can win them all, nor do I think they will lose them all. To me, the question is, is can they win six? If they win six, and right now they're 10 and seven, that would make them 16-10, and 10, and somehow because the quality of wins of those six would be better than what they have now, it's my opinion they would get in. If they win five, then they're 9-11 and 11 in the league. Now it's going to be a little bit dependent on other teams in other leagues to fill the 68. It's been done before, but not very often. Um, so, and I mean, the best ca- – I mean, the best-case scenario, would have, I, I just don't see them winning nine at all. I mean, I, I, if you ask me to put me to the wall, are they going to make it or not make it, I don't think they're going to make it. I just don't think they've, they're good enough, consistently enough. And that's assuming nobody has COVID problems. Now, if they face a team that's got COVID on the other side and is playing the game without five guys, well, now we've got a different deal there. You know, now you're playing a team that isn't nearly up to full speed. Nebraska didn't have all these guys. Not that they would have made much of a difference, but – I think at the moment they're clearly on the outside looking in, and uh, and they're gonna. And I think Tom thinks that, and the pressure's on them to keep that streak going, and the pressure's on all of them to play better. I mean, they got to play better. Uh, in I think they can, but whether they do, you know, they might play well one night and then not so well the next night. But then again, on the other side, what about the other teams? If they got the same problems, I always got. They all got problems. 
And when they play Michigan, is Michigan going to have all the guys? Is Michigan going to be COVID-free? Is Michigan going to be rusty? Is Michigan going to be back in sync? And because you don't know all that, in my opinion, you're just guessing the rest of the way like I am. I'm just guessing. Um, but I would be at this point a little bit surprised if they make it. Yeah, if if I was betting money on this side, I wouldn't. <laughs> just we got sports books open in Michigan, but the odds right now they're very very long, and I'm sure they're it's a great payout. But that you're probably setting your money on fire. Well, just based it, off of what you're looking at, especially with the level of competition, the Big Ten, that many high quality teams. Yeah, I mean if they got to win a road game. I mean, they could. You could win all the home games and go five and four because they could lose at Indiana, Purdue, Maryland, and Michigan. Now they might not, but they could. They've not played well on the road at all for the most part. Uh, I mean, they lost to Northwestern by fourteen points. Northwestern's a lot of eight or nine straight games. I don't know how they did it, but they did. Um, so, I mean, if they, they're going to have to do something on the road. I mean, they need some quality. They need to beat Michigan. Okay. I mean, they're ranked third. That that would help them greatly. You know, can they can they beat them twice? Can they play them twice? There's just so many questions that are left, unlike other years. But I don't remember another year recently where this was an issue because they always had star players that were going to pull them through. And I don't think they have a star player. I don't think they have an NBA player. I don't. I, I don't think they have an NBA player on their team. They had two last year, and one of them now is already back down in the G League. Tillman's still there, but Winston is not. And uh, even with those guys, you saw the problems that they had. We won't know how they would have done in the tournaments. They didn't play them last year. But that's the intrigue for the rest of winners to see how this is going to play out. Well, we're not too many days removed from something else that had a lot of intrigue in terms of the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 55 had a few ties to the Michigan area as well. Not only Tom Brady, but you had William Golston, Le'Veon Bell, and Drew Stanton. Drew Stanton and Golston both got their first Super Bowl rings. It was very interesting to hear Stanton said he got called up out of the blue to be a backup quarterback over Christmas and to come in. So it's kind of fun to see some local ties get a championship ring. Uh, at least that that was exciting for them in a game that didn't have a lot else going for it. Maybe the fireworks yeah. at the halftime show were the most outside, unless you're a Tampa Bay fan. I picked Tampa Bay because they were playing at home. I just thought if you can win three road games, you're not going to back off now to get through the – I mean, they beat Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and they beat uh, Mahomes, uh, which is to me an amazing feat. I, I'm not nearly as Brady-oriented as everybody else is. I like him, but he's had great people around him. He's had tremendous defenses around him. I thought the whole season for Tampa turned not on Brady, but on Tampa's defense. And when they started to play at the level they played at in the playoffs, I thought they were going to win the game when I saw them play Green Bay. Uh, and they're going home. And I th nobody's ever had a home field advantage in a Super Bowl. And I thought that's just going to be too much to overcome. I didn't think it would be 31-9. to I didn't think Kansas City would go without a touchdown. But I thought Tampa's going to be tough to beat at home. And, uh, and they were. I had... Kansas City just because I thought Patrick Mahomes with that arm he was continued to look like himself and he looked like himself for two plays and those plays were the ones where he was getting knocked on his back and he was horizontal in air those were two of the best plays of the night and they weren't even completions yeah. so Tom Brady does it again father time apparently is now defeated he had been previously undefeated up until this he year he looks to me like he's 25 years old I wish I looked like he did when I 
you know, I mean, he, and he, he apparently, you know, is going to continue playing at least for another year. I mean, they're very good at protecting him. He barely got hit in that game. Mahomes ran all over the place. But, you know, there were other factors. Kansas City's line was a little bit redone because of an injury. They had an issue with the head coach's son, who's an assistant coach in a car accident, and he's already been put on leave during the week. I mean, I think they had distractions. And, uh, I mean, Kansas City got down the first drive of the game and didn't score a touchdown, but got a field goal. And, I mean, I just think when you add all that up, again, I didn't think it'd be 31 to 9, but boy, when the momentum started to shift. And Kansas City doesn't play very often from behind. And when they had to play from behind by more than two scores, it's a lot tougher to do against a tremendously motivated team with momentum like Tampa had, in my opinion. Craziest thing is you could say this year at 43, Brady looked better than his senior year at Michigan, which concluded with Orange Bowl win, oh, sorry, uh, Citrus Bowl win and a win over Ohio State. Then he had 16 touchdowns and six interceptions, 61 completion percentage. Now, over 20 years later, He's looking even better than he did. And usually guys dominate in college. Brady, he was solid for his two years at Michigan. But yep. I, I don't know if I would argue he's a Michigan legend. He's, his stats are top 10 at the school. But his no. imprint on the school, some of his stats are top 10. But He wasn't he, he Jim really Harbaugh. Hit. He wasn't Rick Leach. Uh, you know, those guys, uh, he, he wasn't necessarily Chad Henney. He might not have been Elvis Gerback. I mean, he. I mean, I, re, I. I remember when he played. Everybody thought they should play Drew Henson, and um, and while they had success with Brady, that you know Henson was the one they always thought if he'd have played quarterback the whole time, would would it have been different? But I think Brady also is going to go down as having tremendous players around him. He never played. Excuse me, seventeen of his twenty years in in the league. The defense he played with was never lower than 10th in the NFL. I think that's significant because he's always had a good defense, and Tampa Bay gave him that. So good for him. He took advantage of it. Um, bring on next season now. It's going to be here before we know it, and hopefully with that, a lot of positive changes. Mm -hmm. Tim, I think we're out of time. you got to get on TV, get right. your day job. Thank you so much. No problem. And again, that was Tim Stout joining us on the WILX Sports Blitz podcast for the very first time since the relaunch. Big thank you to him coming out. Up next week, Callan Buddy will join us talking all the latest developments happening. High school sports, there's a lot of things shifting there, a lot of things starting back up. Michigan State, maybe they get back in the swing, maybe they don't. And who knows, maybe the Lions have another groundbreaking hire. Trades, NBA trade deadline is, I think, maybe a little less than 40 days away. Who knows what's going to shake up with the Pistons. So please make sure you subscribe by going to wherever you get it. Your podcast, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Amazon, Spotify, we are there. Please leave a review. Also, follow us on Facebook through the WILX Facebook page and Twitter. And then you can follow me on Twitter at jgustin113. That's J-G-U-S-T-I-N. I've got all my stuff out there with the latest happenings, sports memes, all the fun stuff. So if you go to any of those places, please review us on the podcast pages. It really helps us develop this program. It gives us feedback, lets us know what you want, and increases visibility so that's huge and again thank you so much for joining us calendar buddies up next week we'll talk to you then